Good morning. Welcome. I have, believe it or not, the only announcement I have is prayer cards. If you have a prayer request, who, who's doing that today? Raise your hand. And are you, are, okay. And Paige has an announcement. Don't you, Paige? I do. Okay. Um, Sockahatchee and Asbury Hills are two summer trips. The deposits are due for those. So if you guys want your youth to be involved, which I would love for all of them to, um, please get with me. And if you need you know, an extension on the date, we can talk about it. Not a big deal. Uh, we just want to make sure we know who's going so I can tell you know, the people at Sockahatchee and people at Asbury Hills. So thank you all. Will you stand and let's worship together?
Let's pray. Gracious God, we are so blessed that you invite us to come before you just as we are with our concerns and our worries and our needs and our wants, and that you listen to each one and that you take care of us and give us everything that we need. As we look around at the new life around us this spring, help us, help us to be reminded of your love and the sacrifice that you gave for us. Be with us now and bring us together and focus our hearts and our minds on you as we worship. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
across the skies These hallelujahs Being multiplied With this offering Stretch across the skies turn and greet those around you and children come forward for the children's sermon Good morning. Um, good morning, Hattie. Okay, do any of you know what the meaning of your name is? Have your parents ever told you the story of how you were named? No, no, no. Yes? No, no, no. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So what do you, do you have a meaning or the story of your name? Do you know what it is? Mom always wanted a girl to be named Ashley. I love that. Well, my kids aren't here, but we tell them the story of their name. We actually knew that Bailey was going to be Bailey before we ever figured out that Ryan was going to be Ryan. Um, Yes, and we knew Ryan's middle name before we knew his first name. Thomas is Mr. Greg's middle name, and Thomas is Ryan's granddaddy's first name, so it's special. We wanted to pass it down. And Bailey is named after my grandmother. That was her maiden name. And then her middle name is Anne, my middle name is Suzanne, and I didn't like Suzanne, so I just dropped the Suze and went with Anne. Is that a good story? Okay. So, um, my name is Rochelle, and a, when I was a kid, I always tried to figure out what the meaning, like what Rochelle meant. Well, in Hebrew, Rochelle means ew. <laughs> that set me up for life, I think. Now, do you know what ew, E-W-E, I'm probably not pronouncing it, it's probably more like ew, do you know what that means? Something disgusting. Very close. It's a female sheep. I'm named after a female sheep. Do you know what Suzanne means? Lily. So I'm a female sheep walking through a field of lilies. Pretty cool, huh? Well, I think it's kind of interesting that 
Our, my parents didn't name me for the meaning of my name, and we didn't name our children for the meaning of their name. You weren't necessarily main, named for the meaning. It was more sentimental or that we liked the sound of the name. But way back in the day, people really did some names, and it was all about the meaning of the name. And so I was doing some reading this week, and it was in Mark, the book of Mark, which is in the Old Testament or the New Testament? New Testament, that's right. Um, and I came across the name Corbin, C-O-R-B-A-N. Well, I have a friend who just named her child two years ago, named her child Corbin, and it was for a meaning. Now, this was, um, they had two children already, and they thought that their family was complete. And then Corbin came along, and so they named him Corbin, and Corbin means a gift, or set apart for God. And I thought, you know what? We may all not know what the meanings of our names are, or that we're a sheep in a lily field, but we are all set apart for God, and that we are all a gift. Isn't that cool? And that's the way God and Jesus think of us. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, bless you. Thank you for our names. Good job. Thank you for our families. And thank you for the love of God. Let us be a gift to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, since she brought it up, my I, I, Joseph, but my middle name is Lynn, and that means lake. And Curtis comes from a word in French that meant courteous. So I guess I'm a courteous lake compared to a rude lake. So I'd rather be a courteous lake than a rude lake. So anyway, that's mine. Those are interesting. Thank you, Rochelle. We want to uh, continue to remember Bobby McQuaid, who's in the, back in the hospital. Um, she is on the uh, improving, but she's not completely out of the woods. We want to remember her when we pray. Also, we want to remember our uncle battling cancer, a nephew who needs healing after surgery, and David who has bone marrow cancer. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Oh, God, you are the caretaker of our spirits. We come before you as those who've been called to be part of your flock. We offer our praise, our thanksgiving to you for all you've done for us throughout our years. Time and again, you rescued us, and your constant and abiding care has been shown to us, but we must confess this day that we're a little bit like a foolish sheep. 
who wanders off and search greener pastures. We don't always listen to your voice and we go off on our own ways. And when we do that, we often get lost and distressed. We pray, O Lord, you'd have mercy upon us and lead us back into your fold and restore us as your own. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, help us to testify to your great goodness in our life. And by that same Spirit, let us be a cornerstone for others to come and find Christ as Lord. Uh, you are the Good Shepherd, and we know that you uh, have sent your followers uh, into the world to bring uh, uh, healing uh, and, and to restore people. Help us to be bearers of that same uh, healing and restoration grace. Uh, help us help others. Uh, we pray, especially this day, for all those in the healing professions, uh, all the way, doctors and nurses and other caretakers this day. We pray, O oh Lord, for those that's in our prayer list. We pray for those we have named, uh, and we pray for those we name in our hearts now. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would touch all those who might suffer, whether it be body, mind, or spirit, and help them also to be restored to wholeness. Hear us this day, O oh Lord. We seek to uh, love you in deed and as well in word. And we pray in the name of Christ who taught us to pray with these words. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, we're going to continue for one, this Sunday and next. Uh, well, actually two more. To, fi to finalize about the tender commands. Tender commands. Um, there's actually, um, we're going to look at two kind of out of whack today. Number five and number nine, okay? From Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, verse 16. Give attention to the reading of God's Word. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And in verse 16, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And some translations is don't bear false witness. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh Lord, these tender commands are for our benefit. Help us to see that. Help us to know and to understand. We pray in your name. Amen. You know, I said when I started this series that the first four of these tender commands deal with our relationship with God, our Creator. And I believe that the, the final six really are an outline for us to form a just society. They were given to us as, uh, as a government nation building, I believe, and society, societal building. And when you think about it, this next one, this first one of those six begins with the family. And the family, in my opinion, is the basic building block of any society. And it's probably the most important uh, foundational uh, part of a society. 
And it's not difficult to see why God would have gave us this tender command. Uh, all you'd have to do is look at the societies in the time that these uh, commandments came about, the conditions of the ancient world for families were, uh, to say the least, harsh. One of the practices that was often done in those uh, early societies was that when someone outlived their usefulness, they were led off to die of exposure and starvation uh, in, the, in the wilderness. Uh, this uh, uh, practice especially was done oftentimes with elderly. So this commandment, if you will, I, I think is like the beginning legislation uh, for a society that remembers that they should take care of those that are most vulnerable. And it's an important reminder for us, I think, in our time, as we seem to uh, have gotten, uh, especially you'll see this sometimes, I believe, in the conditions con that people have to live in and that people seem to not uh, care too much. When you think about the elderly, when you think about your parents, you know, just simply letting them live and die is a little bit more, than I think, than what this commandment means when it says honor. God says honor. And the word translated from, from Hebrew for honor carries with it this connotation that we are to give weight to, we, in other words, we're to treat with seriousness or respect our parents. And if we're to take someone serious, if we're to respect our parents, we should listen to what they have to say. Now, we may not automatically agree. My father and I have had more than one argument as, through the years. Uh, we still don't always see eye to eye. But it was important in time of ancient Israel for this command for the generations because in ancient Israel, if one generation failed to listen to another generation, there would be fatal consequences for the faith and the culture of those Israelites, St. Israelites, was passed on strictly by one generation to another. So it's very important for those of you to listen to the wisdom that those parents had in those generational passing uh, times. And it's still important, I think, now. It's important, I believe, for uh, parents to pass on wisdom to their children and for children to, to learn from, from their parents. Another important part of honoring in ancient times, and I think this is still probably pretty, pretty important today, is that was the support, not just um, uh, it was physical support also. Uh, you just heard Rochelle talk about that word Corbin. Corbin was the offering set apart for God, dedicated to the temple. And many would use the excuse that I can't take care of my parents or the older generation because I've set aside all this money for the temple. And, and uh, there's a passage in, uh, in Mark's Gospel where Jesus tells folks who use that as an excuse that that is just what it is, an excuse. But I've actually heard that before myself as through the years in churches where people will say, I can't help do whatever it is. I can't, you know, because I give all my money to the church. Well, that's not usually an excuse. And lots of times the truth comes out that they don't give a whole lot to the church, but yes, anybody else. But we are uh, called to not only respect but to support our parents. Now, it's hard to imagine a society, 
I think, now that would drive their old people off into the desert to die. But we need to be aware that even today, many older parents are neglected by their children. This is really a problem. Uh, I have come across this more than once in my ministry. Now, I'll tell you right now, it's always and always will be a financial hardship to take care of children. And if you throw parents in there, it makes it even worse. I know that's true, especially if you're a baby boomer like I am. Many of our children boomerang back into the fold while at the same time we have elderly and aging parents that need help. Sociologists have called this phenomenon the sandwich generation. Many baby boomers today are, are being sandwiched between the responsibilities from both ends of the spectrum within their families. And those who are faced with these circumstances, there is no doubt that you're under pressure and under financial pressure. But we must continue to believe and to trust that God's grace will be sufficient. One of the many things I hear from elderly people is when I visit them, is they, they'll say things like, I don't want to be a burden, recognizing that oftentimes it is a burden uh, for their children to help take care of them. But it's important for us just to remember that one of the most important ways we can honor our parents is to show our parents that they're still worth something, that their life still has meaning and purpose, no matter uh, what kind of situation they are with health or what kind of situation they, are, they have. They have their life, no matter how old they are, still has meaning and purpose. And I hope and pray that all of you will respect your elderly parents, your grandparents, and help them. Oftentimes, one of the conditions that a pastor finds with elderly people is that they're so very close to being in depressed state, states of depression. And it just helping old folks see that they can be still uh, uh, have viable the things that they can do. I often tell people when I go around to see them, they'll, say, they'll tell me stuff like, well, pastor, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do that. I'll say, you can pray, can't you? And they'll say, uh, yeah, I can pray. I say, well, pray for me. I need prayer. Pray for this. Pray for that. You know, Prayer is an important thing you can do. I said, you can still use the telephone, can't you? And they'll say, yeah, I can use the telephone. I'll say, call somebody. Call somebody you know and brighten their day. If you, you help older people see, they have, still have meaning and purpose, even though they're not out here in the uh, rat race anymore. That kind of emotional support is a major part of honoring parents. And, and God has said in this commandment, as God does in many of these commandments and in many things that God tells us, He offers promises to us. And of course, in this one, He says, when you honor your parents, okay, you're blessed. You're blessed and your days will be long in the land that I'm giving to you. So it's important to realize that this commandment holds out a promise. Now, now, one of the best ways to honor your family, I have found out, I learned it early on, is not to lie, okay? Not to bear false witness, not to bear false testimony. That brings us to commandment number nine. You know, not ever telling a lie is probably the hardest thing, uh, one of the hardest things that we have to do, as the Lord wants us to do. Everyone here, I guarantee you, has told some kind of little, if it's, even if it's just a little white lie, have told at least one somewhere along the way. When I accidentally mowed down my mother's freshly planted 
flowers, okay? George Washington is my role model, went right out the window. You see, it's important for that we don't tell lies. Lying's a serious matter. And in the scripture, it actually says that Satan is the author, author of all lies. So, if God is seeking us to have a just society by giving us these tender commands, it's important, to, a very important command would be, don't bear false witness. Don't, don't lie. And it's also understood as meaning, don't fail to speak up and against injustice. It's really important to see this uh, tender command has a lot more facets to it than just simply not lying. When we pass on to someone else something that we know, uh, that we do not know rather for sure, it's often it's called in our society gossip. Now gossip can be just as destructive as lying and just as serious. Almost all gossip has some half-truths in it. One of the most extreme examples of gossip, <coughs> excuse me, of gossip in our history is the Salem witch trials. Did anybody remember that from a study of history in school? Over a hundred people, uh, almost all of them women, were arrested, convicted of being in league with the devil simply because of some gossip that went around this town. And 20 of the women refused to confess to something that they were not guilty of, and those 20 women were hanged. You know, all because of ridiculous gossip. Now, it would be wonderful if we could say such injustices only occurred in the past, but we know that it's not true. Injustice still occurs today, oftentimes, because people bear false witness to, to each other. I once read a true story <clears throat> about a lady who went around town. She got mad at the minister, and she started going around town, and she started making up stories about the minister, and it was a small town. After many weeks, she had done quite a bit of damage to in the town, and uh, someone went to her and said, you, you know, what you're doing is wrong, and called her out on it, and she finally come to her wits and realized she had done wrong. So she went to this pastor to ask for forgiveness, and she said, what can I do to make up for all this that I've done to hurt you and your reputation and hurt our town? He said, there is something you can do. He said, take a feather pillow to the center of the town, to town square, cut it open, empty it out in the middle of the street, and then 24 hours go back and collect the feathers. Well, you know what happened, don't you? By the time she went 24 hours was up, she went back to feathers that belonged to, to here and there and everywhere. And so what she had realized was that she had, he was trying to teach her a lesson once those feathers, once those lies and mistruths of gossip get up into the wind, it's impossible to get them back. You should not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, in the Reformed tradition, any of y'all have been Presbyterian before? Any Presbyterians in here? In the Reformed tradition, uh, Presbyterians have a catechism book. And in it, it says, What are the sins forbidden by the ninth commandment? Okay, this commandment. What are the sins forbidden? And this is the way it reads in part, which I think is a very good way to understand this commandment. The sins forbidden in the ninth commandment are prejudicing the truth, the good name uh, of our neighbor as well as our own, 
giving false evidence, pleading for an evil cause. I think that's an important one for us to think about in our time. Passing unjust sentence, calling evil good. That's another thing that occurs an awful lot in our time. And calling good evil. Forgery and undue silence and a just cause. Think about that. Undue silence and a just cause. You get to drift. God cares about justice. That's the reason God included this commandment in our, in our commands. But I think it's important that, as, that we think about this for a moment, that you cannot think of everything just black and white. There's sometimes there's gray areas. And it's in those gray areas you have to prayerfully consider what would Jesus do, okay? And give you, give you an example of that. It's this. Uh, would you, in, if, if in World War you happened to have, unfortunately happened to have lived in Nazi Germany during World War II, and somebody would come to your house looking for Jews to ship off to the death camp, and you did not try to protect them, even if it meant saying, no, there's no Jews here in our house, which would have been a lie, I think it would be that would have been one of these kinds where you talk about gray areas that you would have, God would have wanted you to say, no, there's no Jews in this house. You see, think about this. If God gave this command for justice, so you know, then I don't think God would ever counsel us wounding people as a price for absolute truth. Hear that again. If God gave this command as in the first place for justice, why would God counsel us wounding people? as a price for absolute truth. My opinion, this command, like all of our, these commands, and that's one reason I developed this set of sermons and wanted to preach on, is because too many times people in, the, in, the, in our world today will take a simple statement and then it becomes absolute. It becomes uh, in such an absolute that they hit people over the head with it and don't realize there's gray areas. If God's aim with these tender commands, and that's what I believe they, that's the reason God gave them in, it originally to those ancient Israelites was to form a more perfect society. If God's aim is a society where fairness and equity is for all, where judicial decisions are based upon truth, where gossip has no place, where the sentence must fit the crime, and where voices do not remain silent when injustice is being done, I believe that's the reason God gave us these tender commands. And I think it's important that we see them uh, in, in a more expanded light, that see them in a, and see them uh, in a, uh, conceptually in a bigger way than just simply a black and white absolute. So, to help us, Jesus came, okay? Jesus came to reinterpret where we mess up and take things and turn them into more than they are. You know, when Jesus came, I forget now exactly, it was estimated how many, was it hundreds of thousands, I believe, of rules that had been built up around these simple Ten Commandments where they had, they, that's why Jesus said, look, all the commandments can be broken down to two things. Love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the bottom line. Justice. God expects us to, to have just societies. So, God gave us these words to live by. I think these tender commands are really, really important. I think understanding them and teaching them and grasping them are very important. To me, it's a whole lot more than just taking a 
picture of Ten Commandments and posting them on walls and putting them in, on street corners and things like that. They need to be taught and understood. They're, they're complex and they're for our benefit. And they help us to seek to model Christ-like behavior, I believe, in all that we say and do. So don't forget, honor the elderly and do not bear false witness. Amen. Next week we'll look at two more and then the next week after that two more. They're not in order from this point on. Alright, let's stand and affirm our faith as, as Christian followers. <clears throat> Let us join our voices. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We're called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope, in life and death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Let our ushers come forward as we receive our tithes and our offerings. your mercy and I sing about your love your goodness Lord your righteousness I want to sing a song of your faithfulness a song of your grace and of your love and kindness to the glory of your name with everything that's in the Lord listen to me say I want to sing a song for you I want to sing a song We'll sing holy, holy, holy. 
sing holy, holy, holy. We'll shout holy, holy, are you Lord Almighty? We'll sing holy, holy, holy. We'll sing holy, holy, holy. We'll shout holy, holy. Will you stand and sing with us? Thank you. 
Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit. May they be yours this day and each day. Amen. Have a blessed week. That's ours.